This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of both World Ministries International and Eagles Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org, and see what it's all about. One is apostolic prophetic, giving warning to the nations about what's about to happen before the return of Christ. The other, eagle-saving nations, we've got to have a great awakening. That's a national repentance. They're trying to topple the republic. It's a communist coup, and judgment will fall if there's not a repentance. Eagle-saving nations, worldministries.org, Join it now. We are critically short of time. The toppling of the Republic, persecution is about here. We're in a chapel of World Ministries International. It's a live audience, a staff and their families. There are children. And I have a special guest, prophetic evangelist pastor, Paulette Williams. Paulette? Praise God. I'm going to share with you something that God put on my heart and something that I'm starting to focus towards. And that is the atmosphere, the atmosphere of change. Sometimes we're in an atmosphere that is not right for us, and it produces the wrong things in our lives, just like the atmosphere of America and that republic and things that are going on is not right. The atmosphere for America has to change. America needs to turn back to her first love and thereby We're going to talk about the atmosphere change. If your atmosphere is not right, then you're not going to be right. Things are not going to go right for you. Things are going to be happening, and then you're wondering why. Which brings me to what's called a glass ceiling. You're looking up there, everything, blue skies is bright and sunny. The birds are chirping, the flowers and the wind and beautiful breeze. And you keep going and going and everything seems right. But you got a glass ceiling. So you're looking through and going, God, I don't get it. Why is my life turned upside down? Why are these things happening? Why am I not proceeding forward? Because you're trying to go for the height and there's a glass ceiling. Yes. And you keep bumping into it going, I don't understand. There needs to be an atmosphere change. There needs to be a breakthrough. You've got to break through that glass ceiling. So we're going to talk about how to break through and to have the right atmosphere. And I'm going to show you through this one time. A mind change has to take place. So the atmosphere has to have you have a different mindset. 
and a different thing to have a breakthrough. The definition of insanity, doing the same old thing, expecting different results. And so you keep on hitting into the ceiling and you keep on hitting and you don't realize that that glass is there and the devil has made it so that you're not going to move forward and you're not going to get there. But your heart says, but God, I need the answer. He says, I need you in a different environment, in a different mood and a different atmosphere. Sometimes we're in an atmosphere where we're around people and we think the people are good for us. But maybe they do a lot of put down on you. Maybe they make a lot of jokes concerning you. Maybe they just say a lot of different things. But what you have to realize that you need a paradigm shift. So on your eye gate, maybe your mother said you're stupid. Maybe your dad said you'll never amount to anything. And all those things you look through stupid and you look through never amount to anything. And you need a paradigm shift. You need to shift that. You need some supernatural Windex. Get that off your eye gate. That's not the truth. You need to realize that God called you by the way he saw you. He knows your heart. He knows. Are you stupid? No. Are you unintelligent? No. You amount to nothing? No. I had a doctor that my first child, she had hit her head on the corner of the table, took her into emergency. And the doctor was standing. He said, you know, don't you let anybody tell you what your child is. He said, you ever realize that in elementary school, they dissect the children. Oh, this one is special ed. Oh, this one is this. Oh, that one is that. He said, you get to junior high, they don't dissect. You get to high school, they don't dissect. But they dissect your kids in elementary. He said, I was a straight F student all the way through from kindergarten to 12th grade. I could care less about learning. There was nothing of interest to me. I don't care. I'm not doing anything. So he said, they just kept passing me from grade to grade. And we were in emergency in the room. And he said, but who's the doctor in here? Right. <laughs> I said, you're the doctor. And he said, I got to college and found out about medical and being a doctor. He said, it struck chords in me. He said, I had straight A's, the stupid one. In every class, I was the top student, the one that'll never amount to nothing because he's straight F through every class. He said, but who stands as the doctor? He said, they dissected me like crazy in elementary school. And I just let them have their diagnosis, FFF, but I'm the doctor. And he said, I did it because I finally got something I'm interested in. Everything else was boring to me. It was ridiculous to me. I didn't want to learn nothing of it. But on his eye gate was written, you can't get anything better than an F. When he got to college, he had to erase all that off of the eye gate and said, hmm, now I got what I want. So sometimes there needs to be a pentadom shift and you need to have a different way of thinking. You need to walk and get on track and on course to what God would have you to do. You need to stay focused and you need to have a spiritual eye set. See, I can look at a person and they say, don't judge a book by the cover. <laughs> don't do that. You have no clue who that person is. But if you wake up, and you realize it's time to wake up, then you end up 
with an atmosphere change. Turn over to the book of 1 Kings 17. Now I'm going somewhere and I want you to come go with me. 1 Kings chapter 17, because we can be what people say we are. We can even be what we say we are, and we may not have a good opinion of ourselves. Yes. God has a better opinion. God is all-knowing. God knows what he's looking at. 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to go to verse 8. And it reads, The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman. I, God Almighty, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The word of the Lord. There's a widow that's going to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. This is the widow woman. By order of the Lord, if the Bible says declare a thing, it shall be established. You're created in the image and the likeness of God. Then what your words say, which is life and death and the power of your tongue, then you have to understand that when God declared that, it was the truth. You have to understand that when he said that there's a widow that will sustain thee, God is not a man he should lie. What has he said to you? What has he said he's going to do concerning you? Then let it be what he said. Because Elijah, as powerful as Elijah is, he only says, thus saith the Lord. That's what made him powerful. He was close to God. He was close to have a hearing heart and an understanding mind towards God. So when there needs to be an atmosphere shift, let's read on. As he arose, the woman was gathering the sticks. He called her, said, give me the water. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray, I pray thee a morsel of bread in thy hands. Again, the word of the Lord comes forth. God is not a man he should lie. Has he not said it? Will he not perform it? He said, I want bread in thy hand. Bring it to me. Bring me the water, but bring me the bread. So verse 13, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have no cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil of crude. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress for me and my son, that we may eat and die. What is her atmosphere? Her atmosphere is death. Eat and die. You're on death row. We'll give you your last meal just before we inject you, just before we electrocute you, let alone hang you. We're just going to eat and die. That's her atmosphere. She thinks death. She thinks, oh, we're just going to die. But see, in verse 10, it's obedience that is the key in verse 10. She arose and the widow woman is there. He says, give me water. She actually goes to do it. She doesn't even know him, but she goes to get him the water. Verse 11, and this is where obedience is better than sacrifice. Verse 11, he says, now also bring me the bread. She would have to actually sacrifice herself and her son to bring him the bread. But obedience is better than sacrifice. 
So she turns and she tells him that her need for an atmosphere change is that she's hopeless. Her need for an atmosphere change is that people perish for lack of knowledge. Her atmosphere has to change. And God, what is man that you're mindful of him? How mindful is God of you? He's very mindful of you. He knew you before you were yet in your mother's womb, before the foundations of the world. He's done everything. He has written out an entire scroll concerning you that is in heaven. How do I know that? Because I've seen my scroll. But he's a wise God. (laughs) One time I didn't want to do something he was asking me to do. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, I'll help them start the church. He's like, join them. God, I'm already at another church. (laughs) I will help them start their church. He said, join them and then become a member. I said, you want me a member of two churches? <laughs> and so I was hee-hawing with him about it. He took out the scroll. Where, what I've already done, he just blurred it. Where I'm going, he blurred it. And then he made me read the three sentences where he opened the scroll to allow me. And she joined them. And the pastors had asked me, because they were just starting, pray to God and find out the name of the church. I said, I'm going to pray to God and Pastor Kevin. He will tell you the name of the church. (laughs) That will be my prayer. I don't need to tell you the name of your church. I got my own call. He will tell you. So he showed me. She joined it. And they did the church. And the name of the church was International Missions Training Center. So I went back because she was a friend of mine, a pastor, and they had just gotten ordained. And I said, well, I'll tell you because your husband's at work. But when he gets home, he'll know the the name of the church. So I told her what God told me. He came home because I'm still at her house. And he's a plumber. And he came home and he said, the name of the church is International Missions Training Center. And I said, did you tell him? She goes, no. She said, I never spoke to him since you told me. And I said, fine, because I believe you're the point. (laughs) You're the head. (laughs) You need God to tell you that. But God had shown me the scroll, and then he showed me the name, and they had asked me, tell us the name of the church. So it was a confirmation, because I had already a couple hours told her, and he walked in the door, and he says, I got the name of the church. And that was the name. But I was hee-hawing with God. And she said, you know, Paulette, every time God does something with you, he pulls out the scroll. You're the one that's always seen the scroll. There's a scroll in heaven that is already written concerning you. So what you're doing is nothing new to God. He already wrote it. So he had to show me that. And I joined that church. I said, God, I don't know how you do two churches. (laughs) And he still required me to do the church I was at. And still required me to do the church with them to help them because I was cross-trained at the church I was at so I could help them start their church. And I could do that. And he was like, it's already written of you. Just do it. (laughs) So I did it. But this is a lady, a widow woman that has to do the commandment of the Lord for her own good because she's thinking death. She's thinking deadly things. Sometimes life and death is in the power of the tongue. We're saying things producing death things around us, not good things. Sometimes we say good things. Sometimes we don't. But this widow woman was commanded to sustain the prophet, Elijah. And Elijah knows it. 
So he knows every time he gives her a command, she will do it because God had already set him up for it. So he sets you up to win, not to lose. He sets you up to win. And so on verse 13, and it reads, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, and make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. What I love about this is that Elijah never takes her out of her vision, never takes her out of her call and everything that she's doing. He keeps saying, go and do what you said, but do this in obedience first to me first, then you and your son. And he's trying to get her to see a different paradigm shift because he said, okay, you want to make a cake for you and your son and then die. And God is saying, I didn't call her to die. I called her because she's my sheep. My sheep know my voice. I called her to myself. And so he says to her, I think it's interesting for him to say, go and do what you said. Because what she said also includes death. But he said, first do this because obedience is better than sacrifice of you and your son dying. Do this for me first because God had already spoken it. God said it and he's not a man he should lie. Elijah has to be sustained. The widow woman has to take care of him. But he's trying to show her a vision of who God is in her. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in this world. If God be for you, who could be against you? God is for you, widow. But do what you said that you were going to do. But first do this. Obedience was the key. And thereby she ended up in an atmosphere change. Now turn over to Proverbs 29, 18. We're going to hop in a few different directions. But turn over to Proverbs chapter 29. And we're going to look at verse 18. Wherefore, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. In the NIV, I like it where it says at the very end of it, that he who listens to wisdom's instructions. Because happy is he, if you're going to keep the law, if you're going to keep what God says, it'll cause you to be happy. But when it says, listen to wisdom's instructions, she had to listen to the wisdom of Elijah in order to get an atmosphere change, in order to get her miracle where one little bit of handful of meal and a little bit of oil, which is probably olive oil, they're in a drought because of Elijah who took away the rain. <laughs> Thereby, you're not going to get the products you normally get so she's down to a little bit of nothing but God. So he tells her, get a vision that we're about to change this atmosphere for you. And so it says where there's no vision, the people perish. In the NIV, then make for yourself and your son. But it said, listen to wisdom's instruction. Listen to God's wisdom when he instructs you. Because God is all-knowing. He's eternal. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing that catches him off guard. There's nothing that you can do that makes him think, oh, I didn't know she would do that. I didn't know she would choose that. He already knows what your heart and he already knows what your choosing is. But it said, 
listen and heed wisdom's instruction. Verse 14. Let's turn back over to 1 Kings 17. That's our primary scripture. And we're going to go over to verse 14. See, what God put on my heart is that some of you need an atmosphere change. Some of you are stagnant. Even at the sound of my voice, if you're stagnant, circumstance, situations, have you so tied up? Have you so backed up against the wall? Have you in an area that you know you don't need to be in? You need an atmosphere change. Start with obedience. Start with listening to God. Start with what is God speaking to me? No matter how you do it, no matter how it comes to you, listen, but then obey it because he already knows. Like I'm hee-hawing about, I'll help them with start their church, but I'm not joining it. And I'm not becoming a member. I'm not going to do two church. He's like, yeah, Paulette, read. okay it's written and Jesus was good at it is written it was written so looking at verse 14 first Kings 17 14 for thus saith the Lord God of Israel the barrel of meal shall not waste neither shall the crude of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth because everything dried up. So her only thought and the only thing written on her eye gate was just make this cake, then die. Just die. That's all we've got. We have nothing else. That's all that's in the house. We just die. No, God had a better idea than that. Keep your hand there, but turn over to Matthew 4, 4. I want you to see that God is greater than what we think. God is greater than what we feel. We go by our feelings, our emotions, our logics, a lot of stuff we go by, but we need to go by what God says. My husband and I were at the VA and we met with a doctor and the doctor, we were sitting there discussing something that he may have to go through. And somehow it came back and shifted to me. My husband said, well, she has kidney failure. And he went and he looked at me and he said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. I said, I have 3% kidney function. And he just stares at me and he's looking at me and he's like, no, you do not. And I said, I'm on dialysis. Yes, I do. And he didn't believe it. He didn't believe what he was looking at. But all doctors are that way that I run into. I doctors, all of them, nurses, they tell me, no, it's not. It's not that way. But my atmosphere that God put me under when I got it, he said, I've given you supernatural kidney function. I said, okay. And so when I hee-haw with him about it, which I did, (laughs) 2018, I did, (laughs) 2022, and he's like, not now, be still. And I'm like, I believe for a heart. It took me three weeks I told you I don't want a refurbished heart. Yeah, you can fix it. You're God. You'll do a better job. I want a new one. You got body parts. Give me a new heart. I got a new heart. He said, don't do to this one what you did to the last one. I said, okay, I'll treat this one better. I had to do Synthroid for thyroid. Three years. I said, God, I'm not taking medication. I'm done. One week, and the church was fasting for one week, I put on there, no more thyroid problems. 
done. I said, okay, I got a new heart in three weeks. I got a thyroid in one week. Why are we doing years on the kidneys? (laughs) Can't we just boom, boom, because you got body parts? Because people go to heaven, they see that room, which you never showed me. But you got body parts, send me the kidneys. It'd be my DNA. (laughs) And he just puts me down. And I finally said, okay, wait a minute. He's eternal. He knows everything. So there's somewhere in this road of life I'm going to travel that he knows there's a proper time when he'll deal with it. And so I finally settled down and I said, oh, so it's what you're doing. It's what you know. And I stopped because every couple of years I hee-haw with them about it. Come on, we did everything. We're like, boom, boom, boom. Come on. You're the healer. You're the creator. You just put it in. And he's not doing it. He said, what did I say to you? I said, you said that you've given me supernatural kidney function. And then it's almost like, now shut up, be still, and wait. And I'm like, okay. But I finally realized there's something he knows. There's something in the path of this life I live. And there's a reason why he's not doing it now. And I've seen him just give me what I want. Just, God, let's do this. And he does it. I've seen him do it. And, you know, with a heart, you'd be holding your breath. <laughs> like, okay, okay, don't turn over, don't turn over. And you hold your breath thinking you can stop that heart from going into a stroke or a heart attack. And I was to the point I couldn't. I had been wrestling with it for months and months. And I finally said, don't fix it. Give me a new one. And he told me, when I got up, Dr. Krishna Foos just said, give her what she wants. And I went down going, a new heart. (laughs) And he pinned me so long under the anointing. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let me up. And then when he did start to let me up, he said, don't do this one, what you did to the last one. So I said, okay. I told a friend, you got the new heart. I said, I got it. So I didn't understand that we've got all these problems going on back here. Nobody believes that I have it in the medical field. They're like, do you know what it looks like? Yeah, 3% looks like me. They go, no, it doesn't look like you. It doesn't even act like you. They go, no. And I finally saw what 3% was. And they're right. It doesn't look like me. It doesn't look like me. I'm not bloated up. I'm not full of sores. I can feed myself. I can dress myself, bathe myself. People that get that, I mean, they can get into a huge mess. And their world is bedridden. They're right. I don't look like I have it. I don't function like I have it. But I function as he commanded. You have supernatural kidney function. So you're going to function normal. Let's get back to what we were talking about. And that is Matthew 4.4. And I remember I love this scripture because it parallels with this widow woman. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The widow woman was living by bread. We're going to eat it, die. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, go and get me some water. Go and make a cake and bring it to me first. Then you make a cake for you and your son. You don't live by the bread alone. And she was living by the bread alone. What's in your life that you're living by that physical substance or situation or whatever it may be. And God is like, don't live it like that. 
God once told me when I was a kid, I was probably about eight. He did so much stuff. And I really do believe the scripture. He tells you the end from the beginning. He told me this. He said, never live a life of if only. If only I hadn't done it. If only I hadn't gone there. If only this. If only that. And don't live a life of why. Why did it happen to me? Why did that take place? Why? 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 He told me that as a kid. Do not live a life of if only or a life of why. He said, that's not how you live your life. You don't live like that. Well, he told me as a kid, so I remember. I remember the lessons and stuff like that because I had a relationship with him as a child. So I remember those life lessons, and I remember not to live like that. But it says you don't live by bread alone. And he was trying to get her into what Jesus was saying in that atmosphere, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The awesome thing is that she was doing it. There were a lot of widows at that time in that city, but God only sent Elijah to one. God was interested in the fact that she thinks death. Now, I don't think death, and the devil can't kill me, and I can't put him in the pit, and God don't allow neither one of us. So I know I'll never die until the point when God says, okay, get your house in order. It's time to come up. He takes me, I go. Satan can't kill me. He don't have no right. Like, I don't have a right to chain him and put him in that pit. He ain't getting a thousand years. He's pit, period. But God don't allow me as much as I'd like to do it. And he don't allow Satan as much as he'd like to do it. He don't get to kill me. I'm not dying. My mother once told me this. It was so funny. My mother once said, Paula, everywhere you go, you're 15 minutes late. And I was like 16. I was so insulted that my own mother would say such a thing to me. But she didn't lie. Still, the fact that she said it. (laughs) And I'm sitting there. And God, I love it. Because you have to listen for the wisdom of God. And God drops this into my spirit. And I said it to my mother. And she fell out laughing. I said, well... It's true. I'm always 15 minutes late. But at least when it comes to my funeral, I'll live 15 minutes longer (laughs) before they have to bury me. (laughs) She laughed so hard. (laughs) Where did that come from? Because inside of me, I was ticked. She said that to me. Mom, don't get on my case. Yes, I'm 15 minutes late, but that's not the point. I get there. And God dropped it to me. Well, that must mean you'll live 15 minutes longer (laughs) than you were scheduled. (laughs) It was so funny. But it was good because you need to listen for wisdom. You need to listen when wisdom is talking. You need to listen. All wisdom comes from above. It comes from God. He'll give you. I love the scripture. Open up your mouth and I'll fill it. And I opened my mouth and said it to my mother. My mother couldn't quit laughing. But it was the joy of the Lord that was my strength. And I said what he said because he said it to me. I said it to her. So you need to listen to wisdom. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's the one time when Jesus was saying that the three different times he spoke to Satan and said it was written. That one is my favorite. Because you cannot live by bread. You cannot live by the things of this world. You're in the world, not of the world. You can't live by the things going on in this world. Your citizenship is heaven. And so thereby, you need to live by your citizenship. When I go somewhere internationally, I'm an American. And unfortunately, Americans are very arrogant. 
they do think <laughs> some interesting things, but I'm an American. So I expect that if I'm an American, America's going to back me, which is why not my favorite person is in office. He left those people in Afghanistan that were American. That didn't go well with me. I'm like, wait a minute. As American and under the Constitution of being an American, how would you leave them? Okay, there were those that were helping that were Afghanistan. You also left some of them. But why would you leave the American? Why would not bring them back to the American soil? It was interesting how the Christian community scrambled. I think they sent two to three airlines in to get the Americans out after America was gone, after the government of our current president had left everything. And they refused to open up that airport and let the Americans with their passports come and get on those planes that churches and other organizations arranged to have them fly out of there. He refused to let them, and he kept that airport closed. But as an American, my citizenship is important to me. So when I go to another country, if I have to, I'll look where the American embassy is because I know where to run to on American soil. But when you don't know who you are, and you don't understand that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And what's going on now may not be God's plan. That's right. So what's taken place may be just the devil messing with you because he thinks he can. And he only can for whatever period you allow him or God allows him. But he can only mess with you whatever God says is okay. Like the book of Job. I like the book of Job and it's one of my favorite books because of when God comes at the back and he says who he is. And then he says, what have you done lately, Job? And I love Job goes, oh, woe is me. But I love the book of Job and the lessons. We were messianic at one point. So we have a rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Vargas, Beth Israel, Jewish Ministries International in Hawaii. And he taught us about that scripture, that actually when God says, have you seen my servant Job? He said the original Hebrew translation is, it actually says, you have been looking at my servant Job. God didn't ask him, have you seen him? He's righteous. He's this. He's, you know, this kind of a man. He said, you've been looking at him. You've been looking upon my servant Job. He said, that's what it really they translated it differently. Have you seen my servant Job? He said, no. God was saying to him, you've been looking. Like Peter, Jesus said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He said, that's what God was saying. You've been looking at my servant Job. So then what did he tell him? You can do this, but you can't kill him. That's why I already know Satan can't kill me. Amen. And he would say, oh, even the boils, but you can't kill him. <laughs> Moving on. Man does not live by bread alone. Turn over to John 10. Now, see, I want you anywhere you see yourself in any of this, then I need you to realize God's got a plan and a purpose. He knows what to say to you, when to say it, and when to bring it to you. And when he brings it to you, then obey the voice. John 10, verse 4 and 5. 
And when he put forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Why was that widow woman following Elijah? Could it be that she heard the voice of God? Because he keeps telling her, no, you're not going to make it for you and your son. You're going to make it for me for me. Could it be that she was hearing God, that he was stirring her heart? So if something's stirring your heart and it needs to change, then access God and change it. Just like I want the kidneys now. <laughs> it's been years, but I want the kidneys now. <laughs> and he's like, be still. No, he didn't say no outright, but it's like saying no. No, be still. Just wait. <laughs> like, okay. And I realized because he says, my sheep know my voice. I finally realized all this hee-hawing that I'm doing every couple of years. There's a reason why he's not immediately doing it like he did the others. There's a reason. Yes. And I said, okay, so just be still and take the journey. And when at the point on the journey that he wants to do it, he'll do it. Obey the voice. My sheep know my voice. Turn back to 1 Kings 17. And we're going to look at verse 15. 1 Kings 17, verse 15. Okay? So we don't live by bread alone. And that's what the widow woman was doing. But by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And she did. She lived by every word that proceeded out of Elijah's mouth, which was thus saith the Lord. Do this. She was doing it. We want to be found faithful. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. How do you take one handful of meal and a little bit of oil? Because you got two fish and five loaves of bread and 5,000 men and women and children. How do you do that? I once had a gentleman come up to me in Hawaii and he said, oh, Pastor Paul, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. And I said, what is that? He said, you know, my uncle died. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And he said, no, no, no. He said, listen, we just told a few people. So we did a small funeral gathering. But when we did it on the day we had everybody. So we just had a little bit of food. So he said, everybody showed up. My uncle, he helped everybody. He was a Christian. He loved everybody. He did so many different things in his life. He lived a long life. And all these people showed up, even outside, you know, the chapel and everything. There were so many people. And we all looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? We don't have the food. (laughs) So they said, let's just prepare. We'll put out the pans that we have. And when it's done, it's done. If half the people don't get to eat, what can we say? They put out the pans, warmed it up took the food out. And he said, we all would go out and put it there and serve it. And then we'd go back in the kitchen to get another pan. He said, and every time we went back in, there were pans. So we just kept bringing pans and bringing pans. And he said, we never stopped to think, how many pans did we bring? He said, in that kitchen, there were pans. And we just kept feeding the people. Because we thought, well, the family's not going to go home with any food after the funeral. You know, oh, we're so sorry, but we're going to feed what people we can. I lie not. He said, those pans multiply. And our only thought was get the pan, feed the people. We have so many people. We didn't stop to think. He said, then when we got done, we had pans and the family got food. He said, God multiplied that food. He said, and all we believe was just to love on the people. 
We didn't even ask him. <laughs> and he multiplied that food for that funeral. Because what is it? Two fish, five loaves of bread, just some meal and a little bit of oil. And what did it say in verse 15? It said that all of them ate. Because why? Elijah was saying what thus said the Lord was. What is God saying to you? What is thus say the Lord saying to you? Do you need a pentagon shift? You need to wipe off your eye gates with the wrong wording that's been spoken of you that's made you actually believe and you keep living your life through those eye gates? No, that's not who you are. You are who God says you are. And whatever God does for you, that's what counts. You need an atmosphere shift. You need the atmosphere to change. That lady actually ate and her son ate. Her whole household could eat when it was just her and her son to eat to die. So God did an atmosphere change and eliminated death. Because we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why that scripture applies there. Because she wanted to just live by the bread. No, we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is God telling you? What is God leading and guiding you into? And if it's a vision, it's a call, it's always going to be bigger than you are. But you'll do it if you stay committed and obedient and listen to the voice of God. Be in obedience. So she did accordingly. She got on track. She stayed focused and she woke up for a change, an atmosphere change. She woke up to what God was doing. So if you want to hear from God, we need to create an atmosphere conducive to his presence. How are you going to get an atmosphere where his presence shows up? Let's say you're at home. Bible on tape. You start putting the Bible on tape. It starts getting down in your heart. Out of the buns of your heart, your mouth will start to speak because you're listening to the Bible on tape. Now, at nighttime, if I'm restless and I can't just lay down and go to sleep, I know, Bible on tape. I put it on my phone, I start to listen to it, and I love it. I just go straight down into sleep. If I happen to open my eyes, then I hear the scripture and I learn the scripture. (laughs) Because the Bible's on tape and it's all night. It's all night. Now, another way, Christian Channel, International Christian Programming. And we all know Dr. Hansen. That's a good place to start. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? He sounds the alarm. They need to hear. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10, 14. That's why you listen to Christian broadcasting. That's why you listen to Christian programming on the Internet. Because there are those that will not even come into a church. But they'll listen to Christian TV, Christian radio. They'll listen to sound the alarm. They'll listen and thereby they get a preacher that tells the truth and truth sets you free. Also playing Christian praise and worship throughout the day. Play it throughout the day. God inhabits the praise of his people. Psalms 22, 3 But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. One time I had some trouble, cleaned it up. Six months later, I get called in on it. I'm like, God, now what am I going to do with that? And he was like, with what? 
Because when he says he throws into the sea of forgiveness, I don't repented of it. He threw in the sea of forgiveness. He goes, what, Paulette? And I said, God, you know the situation. He goes, what? And I said, you know, God, let's talk about me. What am I supposed to do with this? And he said to me, praise me. Amen. I said, God, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about me. I said, what am I to do with this? He said, praise me. And I went, God, come on, tell me, what is the step? Step of righteousness order the Lord. What's my step? He said, praise me. And I said, oh, you want me to praise you? <laughs> I have so much fun praising God. I said, oh, you're the Alpha. You're the beginning of the no God before you, no God after you. I got to praising him. I said, I'm going to praise you. You want me to praise you? Now, did the circumstance go away? No. Went to church that night. I had a ball in praise and worship. I praised and praised and praised. Now, what do you think happened? He resolved it and removed it. Yes. Because I said, what am I going to do? He knows how to tell you to do something. Right. He knows how to get you to do what he wants you to do because he wants the best for you. And he wants you to have the desires of your heart. But he knows how to do it. That's why you got to trust him. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean out on your own understanding. My own understanding was, I don't want to talk about praising you. I want you to tell me what to do because I resolved this. I repented of this. And even he wasn't recalling. I said, God, just tell me what to do. He said, praise me. <laughs> I just cracked up. And he smoothed that thing over and went, whack. Within a little time, whack. And he got rid of it. And I praised God because praise and worship you put that on. Psalms 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Worship God. When it comes to worship, worship creates an atmosphere where God will move his presence and power and draw the people in to touch them, to heal them, to forgive them, to save them. An invite of God's presence is to move among us and all of those that worship him. Ten lepers. I love it. There's a difference between healing and wholeness. Ten lepers. Son of David. Heal us. Son of David. And they called him. He goes, go to the priest and do everything Moses told you to do. Because they need to have the priest. The order is that the priest declares and establish the fact that you are healed of leprosy. So the ten lepers were healed. Okay, now what does leprosy do to you? Your nose, your fingers, your toes, your skin, your whatever. So he said, go to the priest and do what Moses told you to do. So then the priest, what he will do, he'll look and see, oh, no leprosy, no leprosy, and declare you, you are healed of leprosy. Go into the community. So now they can be among the people and they can take off their leprosy clothes. And now they are just a member of the community. But one turned back, one turned back and he was a Gentile, which Jesus well noted. 10 of you and only the Gentile turned back. And what did it say? Let us bow down, kneel and worship the Lord, the maker. He worshiped him. What did he say to him? He said, go your way for you have been made whole. You know what whole is? Your nose is back fully. Your fingers are all there. Your toes are all there. Your skin is all there. You don't even have evidence that you ever had leprosy because you have been made whole. Healing. I can be healed. 
but it's the wholeness. Now we pray for our my stepfather. We prayed for him because he had diabetes and he was eating whole handful of sugar. He would never stay away from the sugar. Tons of ice cream. And we just prayed. It took us 20 years. And then all of a sudden, no diabetes. You have no more diabetes. Oh, the left eye is blind. Oh, you're going to lose your eye. Oh, the left eye is back. Total perfect scene. Oh, we're going to cut off your toe. Oh, we think we're going to have to take your foot. Oh, no, we don't. It's all back normal. We prayed and prayed and prayed and kept prayer on him for 20 years. This is what you have to understand when you're talking about being made whole. Diabetes messes up the other organs. It deteriorates the heart, all the other organs. Those organs can kill you before diabetes does. So he actually, at the end, had a massive heart attack. So I learned that, oh, what does this disease affect in the body? Because you need to be made whole. And God can do it. He can make you whole. Sometimes you're praying for one thing and didn't realize there's other things that can kill you. Like people would say, you know, your kidneys may not kill you, but your other organs can't. I said, oh, no, I pray for wholeness. <laughs> I pray for the whole kit and caboodle. Praise and worship. That's what makes it. So we had in the home, we do tapes. We watch Christian television, Internet, Christian programming. We play Christian music and praise and worship. And we speak scripture out loud. Job twenty-two twenty-eight. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Decree a thing, it shall be established. Speak the scripture out loud. When you decree it, who's going to establish? It's God's word. He's going to establish it. When you speak that word, when you say by your stripes, you're healed. When you say that I will live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. When you say it, then he performs it. Because you're saying his word. Don't say it the way you want to say it. Say it the way he said it. And when you said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Say what he said. So when doctors challenge me that, no, you don't, you know, or nurses, uh, you do not have kidney failure. I said, I have supernatural kidney function. And yes, I do. Three percent. And they can say it all day. I said, no, God is good. Jesus is the healer. And by his stripes, I'm healed. I have supernatural kidney function. And they don't believe it. And they just stare at me and look at me like. And then maybe doctor tell a nurse, look at her like as if she has that. She doesn't have it. But I say what he said so I can get what he does. Amen. 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 James 4, 8, last scripture. Turn over there. James 4, verse 8. See, if you don't learn your God and your relationship with him, then how are you going to get to know him? How are you going to be with him? If God says you have an atmosphere that needs to be changed, access him, access the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. He's the one that's going to teach you all things and bring all things into your remembrance. Access God. Change the atmosphere. When the atmosphere changes, everything the devil means for bad, God will make it good. I'm sure it's his good pleasure to do that. So do and say what God says. James 4, 8 well, let's go seven. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. When you resist him and he flees, what's your next step? Draw near to God and he will draw to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
So then what is the next step to do when you submit to God and resist the devil? You draw near to God. Amen. You have to do those things in your life that's going to cause your atmosphere to be right for you so that God can have the best for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and he wants to fulfill it. He wants you to do for him. You are his hands, his feet. When he wants to love on somebody, he sends you to love that person. When he wants to tell someone at the bus stop that he loves them, he sends you to tell. Jesus loves you. He sends you to do things for him, to be his mouthpiece, to be an instrument in the master's hands. He sends you to do those things. But your atmosphere has to be right. Your heart has to be right. The things that you do for him has to be right. Because if it's not right, then he's going to sit until you can get it right. The widow woman, she got it right. And she sustained him because she kept obeying. Obedience is the key. She kept obeying him. She didn't give him any lip about, did you understand that I said I'm just making this meal for me and my son? Did you not hear me? <laughs> she did not become one of them women. <laughs> she did not jam Elijah with, stop this nonsense and I'm going to give it to you first. I'm going to give it to me first and then my son. She didn't have that mouth, but she had obedience. And it must have been, that's why God went after her. There was a lot of widows in that city. And there was famine. And there was no rain. So things are drying up. But he sends for this woman to get Elijah straight and to get the widow woman straight, Amen. along with her son. So whatever your atmosphere is, if it's good, I'm happy for you. If it needs to be changed, change it. Get with God and change that atmosphere. Grab a hold of him and resist the devil. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. And everything that he has for you will become yours. And everything that you want from him, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you do it right, he'll add all those things into you. Amen? Amen. I pray that you were blessed with this. And I just ask that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that needs to accept Jesus as Savior, I ask you just to repeat these words after me. Let us pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 I think that all of us can say that the message has touched us. You know, a person preaches the word under inspiration of the Holy Spirit because God wants to deal with us. I'll tell you, last week, Debbie Seward Morris spoke. I think God dealt with everybody. I think God is dealing with everybody today. There's some area that is stagnant that can change so we can move into victory. Again, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. If you need to talk to somebody, 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248. We can talk with you, we can pray with you, we can send you Christian literature. Let our atmosphere change so we can have victory in 2024. God bless you.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.